Welcome back to Are You For Real with Sarah Frick. Today we are sitting down with Aaron Zick from Heart of Gold Gallery here in the beautiful, actually it's in the heart of Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, which is right over the bridge. For those of you that are not local from downtown Charleston. And I met Aaron, I think I like actually just wandered in your shop. It's um, maybe, I think so, because he, you were next to another really beautiful art gallery. And I just wandered in and I was like, I've come to heaven. Um, so bef- like, we're going to dive into everything, but just because you'll say it better than me because it's your space, like, give us a little like 2020 on like what, um, what on your gallery. Uh, well, the, the gallery focuses on photography from the last 75 years, everything from jazz and blues starting in 1948 to contemporary music of today, along with um, a good presence of lifestyle and surfing and skateboarding portraits of actors and actresses, uh, so pretty much anything with photography in the last 75 years or so. And it's amazing, but it's, like, cool. It's fun. I have to say that. I mean, it's not, like, a picture of, like, a flower. No. 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 Though you, you can you can get, you know, lifestyle portraits of stuff on the beach or, you know, there's people that come in and have random requests for, for anything. Yeah. I feel, too, that um, it really fits the Charleston vibe. Yeah. It Like, you walk in and you're like, oh, yeah, I get it. I get it. Because Charleston's such a, like, a music, or, I mean, maybe it's just where I, who I hang out with, but lots of music, a little, like, has the beach culture, mm-hmm. you know, people want kind of stuff like that. So let's take it, like, way back. So let's get some background on you, because I know you moved to Charleston from New York. Yep. And let's talk a little bit about what you were doing there before you came here and everything, and sure. how you ended up here. Because did your wife drag you, basically? Susan definitely, she, she said, she's like, I really <laughs> want to move to Charleston. And I was familiar with Charleston, but she definitely was just like, you know, Charleston's a great place. And we knew a few people here. And after visiting, you know, numerous times over the last 15 years, we were like, yeah, being by the beach is definitely where we want to be. But we, we were considering various other cities because we knew our time in New York was just kind of coming to an end. And um, we knew we wanted a better life uh, outside of the city. Uh, New York is a great place, but our time was over. Yeah. And so Susan was just like, yep. You know, I think Charleston's a great place to uh, to come down to, and you know, you need to do your own gallery. You've been doing this long enough, and you so know, what were you doing in to... New York? I ran a gallery, a photography gallery in New York, and it dealt with portraiture. Um, and it's actually something I've been doing for the last eighteen years. So in New York, I did it for about thirteen years. Then before that, I was out in San Francisco, and I interned at a few galleries, and then made my way to New York. So I felt as though. I'm going to be in the art world. I got to be in New York City. Mm-hmm. So I was in New York, and uh, we made our decision to come down here. And uh, we were just then looking for places to to open up. And um, a good friend of ours, um, Joe Keenan and Jenny Keenan, mm-hmm. Joe was the one that helped me find location. He was like, hey, you know what? There's a great spot right next door to this other gallery called the Charleston Artist Collective. And... Um, and so we looked at it. We're like, yeah, this is it's great because we can have two galleries, you know, in the same building. Do y'all complement each other a lot? We do. Crossover? It, 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 we, def- we have openings together. Um, and the cool thing is, is that people, you know, if they come in, they're looking for a painting, they'll go next door. If they're looking for something with photography, they can they can come in and see me. And that's kind of the best of both worlds mm-hmm. where they can uh, they can get whatever they need. Yeah. Um, and I think that may have been when I first met you, you were, you were just kind of swooping in. You were just yeah. like, oh, I need something. And then you came in, you're like, oh, yeah. Jerry Garcia. I was, I was, I mean, I was just, it was, it's so cool. And it's, I love the size of it. Cause it's like very intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I mean, everything in there. And you have such a warm, inviting vibe. You do. It's yeah. like walking in and just like having a chat. Yeah. I mean, and that's the that's And then you the, leave and you're way. like, I just spent $5,000. Wow, he's really good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's always, that's always been, I mean, one, it's my personality. But, but two, I always want people to walk in and feel as though like this is their home and this is what they can imagine mm-hmm. on their wall. And, you know, put the, put the price aside and whether it be something that's $400 or $50,000, mm-hmm. I want somebody to walk out and be like, man, what a great experience I had. And this, this photograph is awesome. And I'm going to look at this for years. Yep. Uh, and I mean, that is, that is, but it's cool too. Like, you know, when I walked in, you, you, you're super knowledgeable about the pieces and the photographers. So is this something you studied or you just always have had a passion because it's for music or what's, how did that all come into your life? I, I say, I mean, I, I studied art history in college and, um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of music, but I came into the photography world more of just the passion for photography. Like I love photography, photojournalism and just portraiture. Um, and you know, even just landscapes like Ansel Adams, like we, we've all been looking at, Mm -hmm. you know, photography since we were little kids, you know, an Ansel Adams calendar. But then once you see that in person, you're like, oh my goodness, like this is, this is incredible seeing this, you know, even if it's a smaller 11 by 14 inch photograph, Mm -hmm. you look at it and you're just blown away. And so I, I was drawn to the image and the stories behind it. And that's what really gets me going is hearing stories from, the photographer, and then sometimes the subjects, um, you know, and so hearing them say, oh, this was a really difficult photo shoot because the wind was blowing really hard, or we had to, you know, climb over a gate to get into this location to get this photograph. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, those are the things that really fascinate me. And so, you know, going into the music photography and dealing with that, you know, the stories, I mean, who doesn't love music? You know, when I meet some people that say, oh, I don't really listen to music, I don't like music, I'm like, okay, cool. You know, we all have our preferences in life, but there's got to there's got to be something yeah. that you know, whether it be Bach or Beethoven or whether I feel it be you on that jamming out People to the like, Grateful Dead. I'm not really a music person. I'm like, huh, okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like, but the thing is, is I think no matter what, somebody can say that, and then you know, you'll hear them. They'll be going through a walk through their neighborhood, and they're 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 humming a few bars in their head. And you're like, you're, you're a music person. Yeah, you're, you're a just, music person. You're just not admitting. Just it. like everyone's a dog person. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so like you were talking about the photographers, the subjects, have you ever, so how do you meet these people? Like, because they come to do uh, openings? I mean, and who have we met and are they really cool? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so to the beginning of the question, uh, the, the photographers, me being in a place like San Francisco and in New York, I mean, New York is kind of the center of the photography world. Um, and so I, you know, you, New York, you just, you, you just meet people on the, on the street or, you know, mostly you meet them in the galleries and then, you know, this photographer knows that photographer and you just start, you know, meeting different people. And, you know, I probably worked with about 125 photographers in New York and, you know, but I've probably dealt with and have worked with over 300 photographers in the last 18 years, mm-hmm. um, all around the world. I mean, there's photographers that I show now from, South Africa and Paris and, you know, you, do you, you deal directly it. with them? Yeah. Um, there's only a few photographers I deal with that kind of have, that have an agent. Um, uh, but it's just because that person just kind of facilitates and says, okay, the photographer, you know, he's really busy and I'm, I help organize the shows and it's either the agent or the photographer will have like a studio manager 
and, you know, I'll call them up or I'll call the photographer and I'll say, okay, you know, somebody just came in, they ordered this photograph. I need you to go into the dark room and print the piece. Mm -hmm. You know, so for me, that's what I love about what I get to do is because I'm, you know, I'm talking to the artist all the time. You know, I'm, I'm saying, oh, well, this person really wants this big photograph and I need it by this specific date because it is a birthday present. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just, you know, like for me, that's what, you know, really gets me going. So do you get people that call that are out of town? Oh, yeah. Um, I'd say, like on some like network? Um it's just like this underground world that we were it, kind of talking it is. about before. It's, it's something in which, you know, once people, it's kind of like with, with so many jobs in the world in which pe once people get mm. to know you and they, your, your reputation is out there, um, that your name just gets passed around. Or, you know, there's people that I've worked with over the last 17 years to help build a collection. Mm -hmm. And they'll call me up and say, hey, you know, I need, some, I need something. I'm, I'm moving to a new place. It's bigger. Or I'm downsizing and I need to help you, you know, can you help me move things around into different rooms in the house? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's the fun thing because then, then I get to play the art curator. Yeah. And, you so know, you, do they fly you their house? No, but yeah, I would love to do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's next on the list. Yes, next on the list. <laughs> um, but I'd say, you know, here in Charleston, I have a lot of people here in Charleston um, that have, you know, come into the gallery, have been who've been buying stuff over the years. But I still have a good amount of people in New York, L.A., London. Uh, I mean, you name it. You know, there's there's pieces going all over the world. Yeah. Um, when it, and it's which which for me is a testament to the photography world. And you know, to me, I'm like, oh, great. You know, somebody's somebody trusts me and my eye to help you know build their collection. Yep. I think too, what's cool is because I didn't know this until the first time I came to buy something from you, but like a, at the bottom of a lot of the pictures, it says like, you know, one of 25, three right. of 25. And so kind of explain that to our listeners, sure. like that it's not just, not that don't look over there at my art that I bought. That's cheap. Um, but like, you know, you can go buy a print somewhere and not that it's not supporting someone, but this is a definitely a different, more like niche curated amount of things is that the right way to say it yeah kind i mean of? it's you know you know all of them whether it be an addition open open edition piece or an edition piece you know they're all printed you know directly from the negative by the photographer signed by the photographer um in some in some instances the photographer may have passed away so there's the, the there's an estate that runs the archive and the pieces will still be signed on the back and they come with the letters or uh, letter of authenticity um, but in most cases they are limited edition photographs uh, so as the photograph sells through the edition the prices will go up mm -hmm. in value um, you know so, so the prices of the pieces it depends on do you sell them in order Traditionally, yes. The, you know, unless somebody comes in, you know, there's been instances where some people will call me and say, hey, I need, you know, I know the next number in the edition is number three, but I need number eight because it's a lucky number. And they'll say, you know, or it's a birthday and, you know, I need the specific number in mm -hmm. the edition and I'll call the photographer and I'll, and I'll say, see whether or not that's possible or not. Yeah. Wow. Well, because you and I were talking before, like some of the pictures that we bought yeah. have already gained value. Yeah. And you've come to John to try and buy them back. <laughs> I'm like, I'm thinking you'd come to me, but, <laughs> but you know, the... well, I knew that that one was a gift. So I was like, I figured I, I should probably ask him first, but then I what would What did always... he say? He said, I don't know. I'll, I'll think about it. Yeah. Uh, it's a, I mean, it's, it's one of my all time favorite photographs of Jerry Garcia. Mm -hmm. um, How much is it worth? 
<laughs> I'll be the judge of this. <laughs> um, now it is around 1,500. Okay, we're going to hold on to it for a while. Yeah. Let's keep it going. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, we were chatting over there. Like, I went to this house party in Nashville, and this girl had this picture in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know her, and I took a picture of it. And, like, immediately you messaged me. You are like, where are you? Whose is this? <laughs> and she had told me that she bought this. It was the first thing she bought with her first, like, big girl paycheck. Yeah. And maybe it was like a thousand bucks or something like that. And she said people reach out to her all the time to get this picture. Yeah. Which is wild. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Coastal Collective. Coastal Collective is the best in town when it comes to skincare and wellness. If you're looking for a more boutique atmosphere, um, they are absolutely awesome. The people that work there are super cool, super laid back. They have the newest and most effective lasers to tone, tighten, and brighten the skin. They, of course, have the usual Botox and fillers you would expect at a medical spa, but evaluate each client based on their own personal needs. If you've been there already, then you know this ain't your mama's med spa. Use the code THEWORKS for 15% off any service. Yes, 15% off Botox, lasers, any service you want. You can find them at CoastalCollectiveCHS.com or at CoastalCollectiveCHS on Instagram. Tell them we sent you. Well, so in that instance... Well, and hold on. Aaron said, he messaged me, and he was like, offer her $17,000 for it right now. (laughs) (laughs) The photograph is by the photographer uh, Jim Marshall, and it's Johnny Cash and June Carter. And it's this really beautiful portrait of the two of them. Um, the way I, the, re, the way I describe it to people is cause you know, with Johnny Cash, he's that, you know, that man in black where, you know, he talks about, you know, drinking and the hard life, but yet this woman was, you know, she was his rock and, you know, it's this loving tender moment between these two people and, you know, she's got her head on his shoulder and, you know, it, it, it brings a tear to your eye cause mm-hmm. you're like, man, this is this hard guy, but yet, you know, here's this loving tender moment. Um, so it's, it's a beautiful portrait. And the photographer passed away in 2010, and so that photograph is not available. Um, so when your friend bought it, like I was telling you, she probably bought it for maybe two thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and you know now that's you know between twenty and twenty five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. She's like, I will not. She said, she's like, it just means so much to me, you know. And I get that. Oh, absolutely. It's. I mean, and that's the thing. That's the great thing with what I do. You know, it's not. People are not coming to me to. Uh, that are buyers, that are speculators, that are saying, hey, I want to buy this and hold on to it for a year or two, and I want to sell it to make money. Um, majority of the time when I contact somebody to say, hey, I really would like to buy this back from you. I sold it to you 15 years ago. Um, a lot of the people will say to me, you know, I-, I love this. I'm passing on to my son. It's the Allman Brothers or it's Bob Dylan. And this this is this is the music of my childhood growing up. Mm-hmm. And I'm never going to get rid of it. And that that's great. I yeah. love hearing that because that, that for me, it makes me feel good because one, I sold something to them in which it has such an everlasting, you know, feeling on their, on their body and their soul. And they're going to pass it on to their family, to mm-hmm. the younger generation. You know, and you think about the music of the 60s and 70s, how it has, you know, here it is, we are in our late 30s and 40s, and that's what we essentially grew up on, and that's the music that we're going to carry with us for the next 35, 40 years, Mm -hmm. and is probably being passed on to our younger generation. Oh, definitely. And those kids are growing up on that, like that time period was such an influential time period. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, because Mike, John has a record player at the house and it's like, you know, thousands of records. And my kids just like love music because mm-hmm. they constantly hear it. Yeah. Um, and we were kind of talking about like 
before we started recording, just like about how different people have been so influential on like the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are a few of your favorite artists? Cause you love music. I do love music. And I mean, I would definitely have to say Bob Dylan and Neil Young. I mean, I, the gallery's name was Heart of Gold Gallery because mm-hmm. I'm a huge Neil fan. Uh, when my wife and I were trying to think of names for the galleries, Susan was just like, Heart of Gold Gallery, Heart of Gold, Neil Young. And I was like, duh, yeah, yeah. Like, you're a genius. Yeah. You know, like, I love Neil. Um, so those are my two mainstays. Um, but then I'd say in the last like eight to 10 years, Jerry, the Grateful Dead, I'm a huge fan, but then, you know, Beastie Boys and hip hop, Mm -hmm. you know, I am a product of the eighties and my first hip hop tape was licensed to ill. And then that got me into (laughs) run DMC and LL Cool J. Um, you know, so it's definitely, you know, I, I like all music, but there's definitely stuff I always will go back to. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that. I feel like, because uh, we make so many playlists for work, I always feel like I'm just rearranging the same songs in different orders. Because mm-hmm. you just like have certain things you love. Yeah. You know? I mean, well, and that's the thing. Like, you know, I, I always like to play the game with people. What is your first concert that you ever went to? Whitney Houston. There you go. What was yours? Beach Boys. That concert, was that you by yourself or was that with your parents? That was my dad and my stepmom, who's deceased now, but who my dad was married to forever. They took me in Boston to go see them mm-hmm. or to go see Whitney Houston. And it was like the best. And I was a huge Whitney Houston fan. Yeah. Um, loved it. I mean, it was great. And, but, and so then to go one step further, uh, when, I, when I'm asking people this is, what was the first concert you ever went to with no parental supervision? So I think it was Fish, and okay. I, my dad drove us. So okay. uh, my dad lives in Boston, and actually Mike Gordon grew up in the town that my dad lived in, Sudbury, Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, and so everybody in this town is like, you know, Northeastern, like huge, huge fish. And so my dad drove us. There was maybe like five or six of us. Yeah. And he, yeah, he. I think he parked and literally waited for us while we went to the concert. Yep. You know, which could be, what could be any less cool? <laughs> but what a great, what, what a great dad or, you know, parent parental right. moment. You're like, okay, my kids are going to see this concert and I'm just going to wait outside. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the millions of parents that have done that over the years. I know. Um, you know, like I always think about the movie Dave's Confused where the kids, you know, they're in high school and they're like, we're going to see, was it Aerosmith, I think, in that movie? I don't remember. Maybe. Uh, but I just, you know, it just makes me think, think back to, you know, the days of when, you know, kids really getting into music and the first moment that they have that they can go see a concert by themselves mm-hmm. and, uh, and have that experience of being in the general admission on the ground, on the floor and looking up and seeing, you know, some of their music idols. Totally. Well, and it's like, you know, music is freedom. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, and I think about like, you know, fish shows over the years, just being there and I'm not. I'm not a huge fish fan. I mean, I like fish and I get what they've done for like music and the culture and everything, but it's like, you know, walking through the lot and getting the grilled cheese yeah. and like, you know, smoking the cigarette or like whatever <laughs> it was. I mean, I think I was literally in the eighth grade and yeah, you just feel like that rush. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, and that's the amazing thing about music is that people, you know, what it does to somebody once you get into that live atmosphere. Yep. Uh, yeah. And, and, and that's what, you know, when I have stuff on the wall in the gallery, I love that, you know, whether it be a surfing photograph or a music photograph, you know, like a music photograph, somebody can come in and be like, oh, hell yeah, Led Zeppelin 77 at the Pontiac Silverdome. Mm-hmm. I was there. Uh, the number of times I've experienced that moment, 
you know, of somebody coming into the gallery, whether it be from Bob Dylan to, you know, friends of ours um, have were like, oh, 2013 Wrigley Stadium Pearl Jam, I was there mm-hmm. in the in the 13th row. Look, there's my head. Like that moment yeah. for me, like I get it the gives head. me like chills. It gives you chills. Yeah. Uh, when you think about it, you're like this moment in time that's forever in this image. Um, you know, you, somebody, they can have that memory of it, but also they have that visual of looking at it and it will always bring back that amazing nostalgia feel to them. Yeah. And, and the same, I think, with like, for instance, the surf photographs that I have that I've been uh, having a surf show every summer. Like there's photographs that I put on the wall and, you know, it might be a 35 foot wave of John John Florence and um, Mason Ho, but... You know, people can think of that moment where they caught their first big wave. They're mm-hmm. like, wow, I caught this eight or 10 footer when I was in Hawaii or I was, you know, in Northern California. And it's that aha moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is what I'm trying to have people feel when they come in, you know, whether it be that first feel, that first concert that they went to or that first big wave that they actually they finally got up on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's really fun and enjoyable. Yeah. It's creating creating a story for yeah. sure. So do you have a lot of pictures in your house? I have a lot of photographs on the walls right now since we just we just renovated and moved into a house. We are working on putting stuff on the walls right now. Um, so there's we're, we're, we're adding to it, and we're trying to decide. We're, we're being quite selective with what we put onto the walls. Um, so there's been times in which we're like, we don't want it to feel like the gallery inside with all music stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a smattering of some music, some surfing, some portraiture, uh, some still life stuff. Um, so it's just kind of a mix of just kind of our feeling. And, and the great thing about being a gallery owner is I can um, change it out. I can you change want. it out. I can definitely change <laughs> yeah. it out. That's so fun. Yeah. So what would you, for anyone that's listening, who's like never maybe spent money on art or is kind of getting into interested in it, like mm-hmm. what do you have any advice for? My first advice for anybody is buy what you love. I mean, I feel like we've all been collectors of art our entire lives. Like when we were, you know, teenagers, we were, you know, we were ripping pictures out of magazines. For me, it was some music pictures and ski posters and stuff, putting it on our walls. So we've always been a collector of sorts. Uh, But now as we're getting into our adult life, you know, we can actually spend a little bit of money on the photographs. And so first and foremost, buy what you love. Um, You know, look at it and say, that's the moment it hits me. Mm-hmm. And there's been numerous times where I might not even be familiar with who the portrait is, or I'll look at the photograph and be like, damn, that's an amazing photograph. I got to have that. Yeah. Um, and because it just, it just hit a nerve. And that's the first thing I say to people. Um, and then, you know, obviously second, it depends on, you know, are you trying to build a collection of one particular artist or photographer? Um, are you looking for only, you know, pieces in a certain price range? Um, so you can start at a lower price range and, you know, build going up to whatever you feel comfortable in spending. What are uh, your thought on like, do you know, like you probably really know how to do a good gallery wall. Don't look over there. <laughs> <laughs> Carter did that. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I definitely, there's definitely things where I'll put, you know, something to kind of anchor the wall. Okay. And then I'll go out off from there. I mean, it depends on, you know, who's building the collection in the house and do they want it kind of linear going down the wall or do they want it more of a salon style wall where things are kind of placed mm-hmm. in, you know, different spots and not, nothing is perfectly in one spot. Um, though I do have to say I defer to my wife on that one. Susan 
has, because she's a photographer, she has such a great eye that yeah. when we're hanging shows in the gallery, she'll be like, oh, she'll stand back. She'll be like, oh, there, there, there. That's amazing. And like, it's, I'm like, I'll stand, I'm there with the hammer and nail and the that's screw so gun. Nice. And I'm like, you got it, you got it, yeah. done. And I'm putting it right up. I mean, that's like very stressful for me. It's such a commitment putting a nail on the wall, <laughs> it, especially it, at the house of a builder. Yeah. John's like, you put it there, it lives there forever. Um <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I mean, it, but they can easily, they could so easily be fixed. And you could find something the exact same size and just put it right there. Plop it in. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, changing things out and moving things around, I think that, you know, say if you have something in one spot in the walls for a good amount of time, I feel like sometimes it's always fun to kind of put it in different, a different yep. place in the house because you might walk past it and say, oh, wow, you know, like this, this hits me in a different, you know, it's catching the light in a different way. Or I just caught this particular point or piece of the actual photograph. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's always fun when you kind of move things around. And I feel like for us, um, you know, moving from Brooklyn down here and we, we had two rentals that we were in and then finally moving to the house that we just bought, we've had numerous different, like one particular photograph go from New York to down here to various different locations and it's this one photograph of Brigitte Bardot taken mm-hmm. in like 1968. It's a beautiful photograph taken by the uh, late photographer Terry O'Neill. And it's such a great photo, you know, because you got the sex appeal of Brigitte Bardot with the hair coming across her face. But then she has this cigarello coming out of her mouth. And you're like, man, what a badass <laughs> photograph. <laughs> yeah. And so that's on our mantle now. And it's been in various different locations in our house. And it's, I always, I look at that photo and I'm like, God, I love that photograph. And mm-hmm. it was just, it's just it's like a moment, like the photographer said to Bardot on the movie set in Spain, hey, pause. And he just, you know, got her. Yeah. Um, I think too, like, and I'm, I'm maybe I'm speaking, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know if I don't want to say the wrong thing, but I think people are sometimes scared to like, do you know what I mean? Like to use photos like that. Like John and I have one in our bathroom and it's, I don't know, I'll send you a picture of it later. You can tell me the whole story on it because you probably know it. But it's these two women... And it probably was taken maybe like in the 70s. And there are these two beautiful women, but they don't have tops on and mm-hmm. they're smoking cigarettes and they're just like having a girl chat. You know, yeah. it's not, I don't, I don't look at it as sexual, but I think people are like intimidated to use maybe photos that are not just like everybody in their, you know, their khakis and their whites mm-hmm. on the beach smiling. Do you feel, do you feel that or, or maybe that's not, your, I'm sure that is not your clientele. No, no well, I mean, I, I mean, I believe me over the years of doing this for so long, I feel the energy of people, um, coming into the gallery and you can feel some people, they come in and they're intimidated, uh, and they're like, Oh, I'm in an art gallery. What do I do? How do I, you know? Yeah. And then there's people that just come in and they're like, they're like, okay, great. Like that speaks to me. Yep. Um, and so it's, you know, it's, I, I think it's something that I've always wanted people, no matter where I am and what I have up on the wall to feel comfortable. Yep. Um, and it's, it's something that, you know, there's going to be images potentially out there that we see might, that might not be comfortable, right. but it's, it's, it's within our own skin. Um, and I think it's just, you're looking at an artist's take on a moment in time. Mm-hmm. I um, love that. I love that. Like a snapshot just yeah. of like, cause we, that's kind of all we get of each other anyway. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't know who you are at home. You right. might be a total psychopath. I don't think you are, <laughs> but <laughs> I might be one. I know Lindsay is. <laughs> um, so just to jump ship a little, because I think I've, you and I've kind of like texted about this. Um, any moments with people that I love that you could talk about? 
<laughs> yes. Um, no, I know we were ta- we were texting back and forth about this. I was I was trying to think of it last night of some different fun things. I mean, one of the the great things about the industry that I'm in, and because I deal with music photography, you know, the photographers that I work with are in most in majority of all the cases they're they're friends with all of the subjects that they're photographing. Um, so they're either traveling with them backstage or on tour. Um, and so I remember years and years ago, I was um, in the gal in my gallery in New York, and um, I got to meet Robert Plant. And he was the coolest, nicest guy in the world. And he was just so down to earth. Um, and did you know he was coming? Nope. Um, he just kind of, he just came in and, you know, it was just, he was just like, oh, hey guys. And it was me and my coworker and he just came in and just started chatting with us. And we weren't even really talking music at all. We were just talking life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the time, I think he, I think he said something like, oh, my daughter is modeling for H&M or something. And he was talking about different, you know, airline flights and traveling and meeting different musicians over the years. And it was one of those surreal moments where I'm like, pinch me. Yeah. You know, like Robert, so cool. Robert Plant. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was such an incredible moment, um, that, you know, you can look at and listen to music and be like, I met that guy. Mm -hmm. I met that famous guy and look at the photograph and be like, he's the nicest guy in the world. Um, and that's the experience I had with almost all the musicians that I ever met over the years. Like they are, you know, they're, they're the coolest people. Like they get, they get to live our dreams, you know, Mm -hmm. they're traveling around the world and they get to rock out playing music. Yep. Um, which is amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was one that definitely stands out. The other one, uh, is Stevie Nicks and who I love. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was because for me growing up, my dad was a huge Fleetwood Mac fan, uh, Fleetwood Mac and Elton John. And so, you know, I did this exhibition with Stevie Nicks and, um, had to get her, like her printer had printed all of the pieces and I needed to go pick up the pieces from her. So they, you know, I went up to the Waldorf Astoria where she was staying. And actually, no, it wasn't there. Some hotel in the Upper East Side, I can't remember. Um, but I got to spend like two hours with Stevie Nicks. And just, you know, she was just telling stories. She was holding court, her and her assistant, and me and my coworker. And I y'all was, just went up there to pick up art. We went up there to pick up the And she's like, let me tell you about the art. Yeah. And, and was, was it pictures from all over the years? They were Polaroids that she did of herself back in the 70s and um, early 80s. I, re- I this, Sorry, but did you ever listen to the interview she did with Oprah? No. She, it's good. It's like really short, too. It's like 30 minutes. But she talks about these Polaroids, yeah. actually. And she was talking about when she got really bad and her um, she had she had done she had, had was done with cocaine mm-hmm. and she got she had this psychiatrist and I've told this story in my class that got her hooked on like Xanax and stuff yeah and one day she just kept like taking more taking more and she was gaining all this weight mm-hmm. and she called one of her buddies and she said listen will you come over and every time I take a pill will you take a pill and he was like yeah I'm in like whatever because she wanted to see yeah and so she said like he took the morning pill they had lunch you know he took the afternoon pill blah blah she's like you know we had a little bit of wine smoked half a joint dinner time took their pill she's like and then he's like passed out on the ground and like finally like she wakes him up and she's like are you okay and he's like what the fuck so the next day they walk into her psychiatrist office or whoever was giving her these meds and he was like she was like so my friend came over and I had him to go pill to pill with me 
And like, and her psychiatrist was like, what are you trying to kill him? And she was like, you're trying to kill me? Yeah. She said, and she checked herself in that day. She said, you know, I used to take these photographs of myself and these beautiful black dresses. And I never thought I would be this woman again. Mm -hmm. She's like, and I became this woman again. Yeah. So, I mean, whatever. That's, that's my knowledge. What do you know? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I knew. I wish I, I mean, I, I'm not familiar with that. I mean, I've heard little bits and pieces of the story where she would say how, uh, a doctor had prescribed things to her and she re- learned afterwards that it wasn't like the pres- he, he had prescribed stuff to her that she shouldn't have been taking yeah. for as long. Right, right. Um, and that she needed to, you know, check check into rehab to get, you know, to get off of these medications. Yeah. Um, it's wild. It's, yeah. But anyway, I just thought that was so interesting. And Oh, I mean, I mean, yeah. She, I mean, what a good friend to be like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's, do it <laughs> let's, let's just go down this rabbit hole together. <laughs> I know. I mean, it definitely takes somebody, you know, that, that is some true friendship. That right really there. is. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know if I could, I don't know if That'd I have tough. a big conviction to do something yeah. like that. Yeah. That's a commitment. Um, all right. So she was amazing. She was, she was amazing. And then the other person that, um, he was one of the most amazing people in the world, uh, was the drummer for the Foo Fighters, Taylor Hawkins. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just thinking about it, it brings tears to my eyes. Yeah. He's, he always looked just so alive in all of his pictures. Oh, he was one of the nicest, most genuine people in the world. I first met him in 2005 and he would, he would come in, like I'd see him and he'd come in, he'd come in with his wife and they were just the friendliest, nicest people. And I'll never forget, like, one time he's like, I'm looking for this specific photograph. I'm looking for something. And, you know, I'm looking for Freddie Mercury or or, um, maybe Brian Ferry from Roxy Music from, like, the the 70s. And, you know, here's my – he's like, I don't do email. Just just text me. Here's my cell phone number. (laughs) And, like, I walk away. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I have Taylor Hawkins' (laughs) cell phone number. This is amazing. Um, But, I mean, when I heard the news about Taylor, I was just like, what such a loss for – for, for his family and his kids, but, you know, for the Foo Fighters and just the entire world, because he's somebody who truly is one of the nicest souls in the world. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's times in which I think, you know, there, you learn about somebody passing away, you know, in the music industry, whether it be they're in their 80s or 90s, you know, but somebody like him was 50 years old, you know, I, I mean, I, I remember seeing that pop up and I, I had tears. Mm-hmm. I was just, I was like, I can't, I couldn't hold it in. Yeah. You know, because he was one person of that, like, you know, I really, I like the Foo Fighters, but then I didn't start listening to them until I first met Dave Grohl and Taylor Hawkins. And I was like, you guys, you guys, because of your personality, are the nicest, coolest guys in the world. And you got me hooked onto your band because of your personality yep. and how great a family people you are. Like, hands down, one of the greatest bands mm-hmm. and greatest groups of people. Um, so yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's, it's true. You think like you just, all you see, like we were talking about snapshot is like, oh, they're playing and then they're done, you Mm -hmm. know, but like, there's so much more that goes into it. I mean, everybody's career and life. And when you, when you, people have, you know, authenticity behind it, it definitely lands a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think so, so, so often we, as kind of the people behind, you know, just looking at the stage and being like, oh, you're a rock star. You're going out after every concert and you're going to party and like, in actuality, you know, sometimes when they're younger bands, like, yeah, they're going out and doing that here and there. But a lot of the guys are, you know, musicians, they're just like, I want to get done with my show. I want to go back to the hotel. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to maybe, I'm going to see my wife from my, or my husband for just a moment, going to go to bed. And it's the same thing mm-hmm. over and over. And, you know, the number of stories I've heard from musicians and photographers that were on tour in the 
seventies and seven, especially the seventies. They're like, you, you wake up and you're in another city. You don't even know where you are. And it's the same repeat, mm-hmm. you know, over and over. Yep. Um, and so it's something that, you know, it gets tiring. A musician, when they're traveling, just some of the monotony of traveling where they might have that predisposition to potentially be like, well, I'm kind of bored. Let me have a drink. Yeah, totally. And, you know, and I think that's, that's the thing that, you know, some people have to battle and overcome. And um, it's something in which, you know, has been prevalent in the music industry for a long time. Yep. You know, just because you're, you're, you're taken out of your own environment. And so young, I was listening to a podcast the other day with Florence Welch, and she was talking about how, um, you know, she's like, I got famous at like 18, mm-hmm. you know, and she's like, I'm, a, you know, she's, I don't know if you, I know you're not probably as big a fan as me, but her new song, Free, she listened to it. It's an amazing song. Yeah. And it's all about like how she has like crippling anxiety. She's like, so you take an 18 year old who has like crazy anxiety. Yeah. And then you give them the world and like, the, you know, you put them on a stage. She's like, so, you know, you start drinking, you start doing drugs because it's like you can check out mm-hmm. and you can, you know, you can do what you're really good at, but you don't have to like, you can still be insecure. Right. And it makes so much sense. Yeah. John and I listened to um, a book on tape when we were out in California recently, or a book on tape, a book on the, our phones. And it was, um, maybe you've listened to it, but it's the Wayland story read by one of his sons. Oh, no, I haven't it's really good. But he was talking about um, being, he went on tour. I guess it's his oldest son. He recently died too, but he had went on tour with his dad and like Johnny Cash and all these guys. And he's talking about like waking up and you're in a different place. I mean, these guys are taking like a hundred met- like methamphetamine pills a day, you know, to just to like keep like awake for, I mean, what he said, I mean, John and I were like, there's no way, like awake for like three months, like basically. Oh my goodness. And this is interesting. Just another tidbit of information. I know guys, um, maybe, you know, this trivia, but when Waylon Jennings went into the hospital to have like his like triple bypass, Johnny Cash came to visit him and the doctor walked in to check on Waylon and Johnny Cash was like, you know, I'm, my heart's not feeling that good either. And he was like, go down the hallway. And then he had to have the same surgery. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Full, I'm full of fun facts. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And see, and for me, that's where I learn. I mean, so often where I learn so much of the stuff, you know, yeah, I'll read a book, but you know, people will come into the gallery and tell me those, those stories, yeah. you know, little things. I'll say, Oh, well, let me just put that in the, yeah, totally in the role. Use of it. And, uh, you know, there you go. I love music. I love music. Fun facts. Oh yeah. Because it's just like, it's cool and it's it's so like you know it's like you said so interesting to get to know the person behind the microphone yeah I mean to, to hear the reason why a song came about you know yes for me I love like listening to like where the beat some of the Beatles songs came from and you know just any musician like where their inspiration is drawn from mm-hmm. well because you because music makes you feel something and when yeah. you and I think that's why I connect to the artists that I connect to you know like I'm like oh your story I can see myself in your story mm-hmm you're crazy. I'm crazy. You know, it works. <laughs> well, I mean, for instance, like last week, I remember texting you um, stuff about Florence because my one a close photographer friend of mine, uh, her name's Autumn Dwild. And Autumn, photo, she did the album cover for Florence, but she also did the video. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I just I just love for me, I just love seeing the photographers, the contemporary photographers that I work that I'm working with nowadays out there photographing and making videos for these musicians, you know, because it's, for me, it's one thing hearing the stories from the sixties and seventies of the photographers that were on tour with Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones and all these other bands in hearing it, but but being alive and hearing those direct stories and seeing the video footage from my friends, the photographers now, 
um, for me, I'm like, oh man, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's the coolest thing. And so, you know, there's a bunch of the photographers that I show nowadays that are, you know, contemporary photographers, uh, like Danny Clinch mm-hmm. is, uh, is one of them. And he, Danny, you know, he's good buddies with Bruce Springsteen and the Foo Fighters and Pearl Jam. I mean, pretty much anybody who's been performing in the last 25 years, 30 years, Danny Clinch has probably photographed them, whether it be at Bonnaroo or the Grammys or you name it. Um, so, and so cool. I love hearing some of his stories. Um, I think you gave us one of his books. Yes. It's so it's beautiful. Yeah. It has, it has a photograph of Eddie Vedder on the cover mm-hmm. in Hawaii. Um, photo was taken in like 2011 and like, it's cool. Cause he's like standing on a stand up paddleboard and he's got a tuxedo on mm-hmm. and he's got his ukulele in one hand. Um, just a really beautiful portrait. Uh, but f- so those, you know, like seeing, seeing the stuff of, you know, like Pearl Jam, who, who's a band that I absolutely love. That was going back to it. That was my first concert when I was in a freshman in high school, I went to go see the Red Hot Chili Peppers and I think it was the Mother's Milk Tour and the opening band was Pearl Jam and the middle band was Smashing Pumpkins and then Chili Peppers. And like for me, I, st- I think you about were it like to this in day, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so like to see the progression, you know, like that was September 1991 and to see a band that I grew up on still performing and as bigger than they were then, um, for me, like that is just the coolest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing and getting to hear all the stories from like one of the photographers and seeing the photographs of it from the last 30 years is awesome. Yeah. That is really cool. I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's so, I'm so fascinated by the whole thing, yeah. by the culture of it all. And it just, it like, even though it's seems really big and like unattainable, like for me to, you know, to totally absorb everything you're saying it just it has like a homegrown feel because mm-hmm. you're like people reach out to you directly you reach out to the photographer and right. like that's how it's done yeah we're not on some weird computer living in a weird online nope. galaxy like Lindsay was trying to convince me to do <laughs> earlier <laughs> well, um and I, th- well, I think that kind of like what we were touching on earlier before we started taping this was that you know it's a tangible object that people are looking at they're it's, you know and, and they're they're appreciating on the wall and you know and so it's something in which you know, they, they have this connection to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I love. You know, I love hearing the stories of, I know, know I walk by that Jay-Z it's in my dining room Oh yeah, of him at Bonnaroo all yep. the time. And I'm always like, wonder what he's, you know, you just like create different thought stories. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and that's, and that's the cool thing. Like, you know, with, with the images where you have, you know, that live shot of Jay-Z on stage, you see the crowd and you're like, man, the music is pumping. Yeah. And it's just, the energy is the insane. The energy raw and it's yeah. awesome. And then you like, you look at, you know, other images and it's backstage and it's after the show and the, you know, the photographers captured a moment with the musician just decompressing and, you know, it's just this peaceful moment. Yeah. Um, I love how you get the dichotomy and the mixture of that um, with the music photographs. Yeah. Have you, what, what's like in this, you might not have an answer, but like, what's your favorite piece you've ever sold? Who I can't, I, I, that, that's a tough one. I would really have to sit and think about that. Um, one of my, there's so many favorite photographs. Um, but one in particular that I just love showing people and I love the reaction on their face. There's this photograph of the Rolling Stones and it's titled the beggar's banquet. And it's by this photographer, Michael Joseph. And it's, 1968 and the photographer he wasn't really a um a music photographer he didn't go traveling out with the bands on tours or anything he was hired by the band to just photograph this two two weekends of the rolling stones for this album cover session 
So the Rolling Stones were dressed in this period garb. Is this the one that Aaron Siegel loved? Yes. Yeah. And he has in his house. Um, and I just love looking at the photograph because it has such a painterly feel to it. And when I, w- when I was studying art history in college, uh, I loved Dutch Baroque. And so I studied Dutch Baroque art. And, you know, I just love how this particular photograph has the light coming in from the left-hand side. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of like Jan Vermeer and just the way, way that they were dressed and all the food on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many things to look at. Um, you know, that when you see it in a large size, people come in, they're like, oh, wow. Oh, wait a second. That's the Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not just this, you know, photograph of a band on stage, but it's, you know, they have, you really have to take a look at the nuances and say, oh, wow, that's 1964 Beaujolais. And all those animals are real animals on the set. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was like two dogs, a monkey, some chickens. (laughs) There was so much stuff going on. Yeah. Um, It's just a really intriguing photograph. Yeah, it is. It's a cool photograph. I think we had it here when you came and did that. I think so. I think because I feel like Aaron walked in. He's like, "What's my picture doing here?" <laughs> like you haven't bought it yet. Um, so let's talk about. You sent some pictures, and we'll. I would love oh, to yeah. just talk about these just a little bit, and then. Well, so I sent some images over to you earlier, um, and there I was. I was actually. I think I was saying I was. I was going to be putting them up onto the website this week. It's a photographer, Sam Erickson, that um, that I know and that I, I, I sell his work. And it's early stuff of my morning jacket. So for all of us down here in Charleston mm-hmm. who were at the High Water Festival this past weekend, my morning jacket was there on Saturday night. Um, so like these are early photographs of you know my morning jacket um, from the Okonoko sessions at the Warfield in San Francisco. Um, and then some other just backstage and performance ones and, you know, from like 2006, seven, mm-hmm. just really cool photographs in the studio. And then some of the other ones I emailed over to you, um, you know, I feel like down here in Charleston and in the Southeast, uh, United States, Fish is such a huge band down here. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my favorite photographs is, uh, this one of Trey Anastasio, 2005 in Central Park and he's playing guitar to the kids and it's oh yeah I love that such I'm a, looking at these pictures guys I'm not just like saying that I love that um, um. And it's, <laughs> I, I just love it because it's Trey just fooling around and goofing around with the kids yeah and you know he's probably just singing some kids song and you know the kids have no idea this is Trey Anastasio you know from the band Fish one of the biggest bands in the world yeah um, and that's the thing I love, you know, about certain images, you know, there's, there's times in which I look at a photograph when I know the backstory and it just makes me love that image even more, mm-hmm. you know, like I love this image already, but just knowing this story behind it just makes it that much cooler. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there's, you know, it's, so I'll, you know, right now, uh, at the gallery, we, we just did an online exhibition of, um, Southern music. And so, you know, Southern influence music, you know, Ray Charles and James Brown, Mavis Staples, the Allman Brothers. Um, I mean, you name it. You know, there's so many great musicians coming out of the southeastern United States. Outcast, mm-hmm. uh, one of my wife's favorite bands. They're so good. Um, and so there's such great music. And so we just did this online exhibition of, uh, of Southern music. Did it do well? It's it, well, we haven't even put it up yet. It's oh. not even live yet. Tomorrow, it. it's live. Oh, okay. Well, so then. by the time this is playing, yep. it will be live. Yep. Um, and so people can scroll. Tell through. people where they can find it. So the gallery website is heartofgoldfineart.com, 
and you'll see we have we're always rotating and changing the images on the front of the website but then there's different you know, portfolios you can look through and categories and genres for music surfing uh, actors and actresses uh, so there, we're always moving stuff around and doing different stuff um, so the, the next project we're working on um, I think it's going to be the third week or end of June we're doing our annual surfing exhibition, and it's this photographer, Nico Gailis. And Nico um, has awesome stuff of surfing, skateboarding, predominantly females. Um, and I love talking to her on the phone because she'll, you know, she'll be like, oh, this is rad or this is bitchin'. <laughs> and it brings me back to like 1988. Yeah. Um, but she has such a great eye, and the color that she has in her photographs is just vivid and saturated and it just kind of jumps off the wall. Oh, cool. Check um, it out. I, and I love looking at her work, um, you know, just her perspective, but just hearing her stories and her travel stories. Um, and so it's, I'm excited to see what, what we're going to be putting up on the walls. We're still finalizing the show. Uh, but she, if you're familiar, if you've been to the Ryder Hotel, mm-hmm. um, there's about eight of her pieces in there oh, that, cool. that, are, uh, that we put there last summer. Nice. Courtney did a great job yeah, there. It's really beautiful. Good spot. So it has such a fun vibe. It does. It has such a Courtney vibe. Yes. Yeah, I love I mean, it. Southern California just screams, you know, beach, sun, fun. Yep. I love it. Tell people where they can find you on Instagram. Um, at Heart of Gold at Fine Art uh, is our Instagram handle. And we're always, every, every day, you know, different, adding different things, whether it be musical history or you know, something that happened to Waimea Bay for surfing. Uh, we're always posting some really cool, unseen photographs. You are. Yeah, yeah it's cool to follow, for sure. Well, thank you so much for coming yeah, today. Thank you, so much. Um, you guys, please go give Aaron a follow and check out his website. Uh, if you like this podcast, which you did, I know you did. So just rate us, review us, share us with your friends, all your music and art lovers, and we will see you next week. Bye.